0: noticed um, uh, during worship and the smell that we are popping popcorn because uh, we are on the next three weeks, we're going to be doing a series that's called Christmas at the Movies. And so we just kind of want to, I wanted to really be able to embrace that. So we we do have a small gift for you Um, after the ushers receive our offering, we're going to be passing out popcorn. So check this out. If you've ever been to the movies, I guarantee you, you never got free popcorn. You probably paid $4.50 for this big old thing of popcorn, okay, I mean, and, uh, and it, you, and, or, or you get the smaller one and then they talk you into getting the big one because they got the little ripoff off and, and you can actually get it refilled. So I just want to kind of embrace that. We're going to give you a little admit ticket. We're going to give you uh, a bag of popcorn if you want to, if you want to enjoy that. But we're doing Christmas at the movie, so we got three movies that we're going to kind of talk about the themes uh, that are Joy and I's favorite movies. And so my absolute favorite Christmas movie, the first one, is uh, Charlie Brown Christmas. So I'm going to be talking about that today. And then next week, Pastor Joy is going to be talking about her favorite Christmas movie, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. And then we're going to end it with a a very funny and my second favorite the elf which will be a lot of fun so we do have a video clip that we're going to go ahead and we're going to get ready to, sh- to share for you this is one of this is one of my favorite clips in cartoon history go ahead put your eyes on the screen we're going to be passing out popcorn for you we're back <laughs> boy are you
1: stupid charlie brown What kind of a tree is that? You are supposed to get a good tree. Can't you even tell a good tree from a poor tree? I told you we'd goof it up. He's not the kind you can depend on to do anything right. You're hopeless, Charlie Brown. Completely hopeless. Rats! You've been dumb before, Charlie Brown, but this time you really did it. (laughs) What a tree! (laughs) That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Linus is right. I won't let all this commercialism ruin my Christmas. I'll take this little tree home and decorate it, and I'll show them it really will work in our play.
0: Hello, there we go. And then in the rest, he decorates and they sing. But uh, during the whole clip, we see um, that Charlie Brown, is, he's in this search. What is he doing? He's searching for the true meaning during Christmas. So that's the title of this message today. Searching for true meaning during Christmas. If you are following along with a smartphone or tablet, we do have a live event. So you can go ahead and follow along. You have notes that you can follow. Um, If not, you can follow right along on our screens. We'll have everything on the screens for you today. Friends, so many are searching and looking for meaning, purpose, acceptance. I'm sure you've heard the phrase, what's the meaning of life? And people come up with all kinds of answers, specifically biased according to their own personal worldview. Like me, before I committed my life to Christ, I was living for myself, and I thought the meaning of life was weed and money. And so that's what I lived for, and that's what I consumed every single day. But the Bible tells us what the meaning of life really is, is that we would connect with God and that we would do something significant with our lives. In the Charlie Brown Christmas, okay, Charlie Brown was searching for deeper meaning around Christmas. Okay, He was fed up with the commercialism, and we can add the consumerism of Christmas. And what a powerful, uh, what a powerful theme. This was back in 1965. Today we, are, uh, ni- today we celebrate, or, or 2015, we celebrate 50 years of the making of this cartoon. And isn't it amazing 50 years ago that there was this theme and powerful story of Charlie Brown being upset about the way that Christmas has been commercialized and uh, the consumerism, friends. The average American spends around seven hundred dollars during Christmas, and also, okay, during the holiday season, the holiday is going to total four hundred and sixty-five billion this year. Let me say that again. This holiday, the retailers are going to receive four hundred and sixty-five billion of our dollars because of Christmas. Commercialism. And we all do that. We all buy gifts for those we love. Okay? We're going to spend time with our family, perhaps maybe top it off by giving to a charity or, or any of these other things. And friends, and I'm guilty as well as being one who spends too much money during Christmas. Okay? But the thing is, is, is Christmas is more than what we can receive Christmas is actually about Christ, correct? As is the root word in that holiday, or in, in the word of the holiday, Christmas. That actually, Christmas is actually, that word is Latin, and it means, the word Christ means, uh, it means anointed one, and mass means, it means festival, it means celebration, or it means mass. So... So the Latin word Christmas, it comes from the, so basically having a celebration of the Anointed One. So that's what that word, that term actually means, is that we would have a festival or a celebration or a feast of our Christ, of the Anointed One. Charlie Brown was fed up with commercialism, as we, we shared okay? that uh, $465 billion is going to be spent. And how many of us know that sometimes we need to just get back to basics? Sometimes we just need to get back to basics. Have you ever heard that term before? i got to get back to basics or we need to get back to basics? Okay, if you ever have a sports team, sometimes they lose focus. And when they lose focus, what do they do? They go back to what? The fundamentals of what they were taught. What do they do? They go back to basics. And friends, sometimes that's what we have to do. As as Christians, as American Christians, it's very easy for us to lose focus that we get caught up in the swirly of of Christmas commercialism, and we need to get back to basics. And I love this. Keep calm and get back to basics. The true meaning of Christmas. If you're taking notes or if you're following along uh, on your uh, smartphone or tablet, number one, the true meaning of Christmas is God being with us. God being with us. That's the true meaning of Christmas. I love how Linus quoted the book of Luke chapter 1. And this is what he says at the very end. He says, and that's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. So we have this 45-minute show where, where Charlie Brown is trying to really figure out what Christmas is about, and, he, and his dog is, is uh, you know, decorating Uh, his doghouse, and and all this stuff is happening. And then Linus has the most beautiful phrase, and I love how they put him on stage by himself, put the spotlight on him, and he quotes Luke chapter 1. Powerful, beautiful. And that's what Christmas is all about. Christmas isn't about spending time with our families, though we do that. Christmas is not about lights and trees, though we have those. Christmas is about God being with us. And friends, if we have our Christmas priorities out of alignment, perhaps we can get them back into alignment. Maybe we need somebody like the Christmas linebacker to bring us into alignment to help us out with what Christmas is all about. If you can go ahead and play that video.
2: Here at the National Institute for Student Ministries, we developed a revolutionary method specifically designed to bring a fresh awareness to the Christmas season.
0: Merry Xmas, little girl. Merry X-mas. Ho ho ho!
2: It may appear unorthodox, but the results are
3: staggering.
0: Merry Xmas. <laughs> <laughs> Why do I want
3: to be the Christmas linebacker? Well, let me put it to you this way. You see, I'm here to put the Christ into Christmas. Let me hear you say Jesus. Jesus! Now, don't mess with the linebacker, babies. Say it like you mean it. Say Jesus!
1: Jesus!
3: See, when I hear Xmas, there's, there's something that bubbles inside of me. X is only relevant to a few things: X Files, X football players, but not Xmas. It's Christmas, Merry Xmas, Merry. X-mas. This ain't no sleigh ride, baby.
2: We're intrigued by the linebacker's emotional, spiritual, and psychological influence. to mention the physical impact yes Christmas is all about sharing the love
3: Who wants eggnog? his theology well it's impacting you see God didn't show up in a rocket ship he didn't show up in a Cadillac he showed up as a baby That's what Christmas is about, you dig? So you've heard about the shepherds being meek, but the linebacker's here to give you a tweak!
2: Yes, we certainly do know how to tackle Christmas.
3: You see, materialism has ruined Christmas. It's not about presents under a tree, it's about God's presence with us.
2: (gasps) Not sure what you need this Christmas?
3: Merry Xmas, son. Open it, hurry. <laughs> I wanted a basketball, not a football. A basketball, right now.
2: We've got the perfect gift for absolutely everyone.
3: <laughs> so why are you smiling? You just disrespected your parents. What's wrong with a football? <laughs>
2: From all of us here at NIFSM, we hope your Christmas is a real hit.
0: Even though that video was funny, I'm telling you, there's one line in that that captures all of it. I absolutely love what the Christmas linebacker says. He says, It's not about presents under a tree, it's about God's presence. With us, it's about God's presence with us. I absolutely love that. Matthew chapter one, verse twenty-three. It says, "He, uh, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us." Joshua chapter one and verse nine says this. It says, "He will go with us everywhere that we go." Joshua chapter one, verse nine. It says, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. He'll be with us wherever we go. That's why we're talking about the true meaning of Christmas is about God being with us. Matthew chapter 28 and verse 20, he says this. He says, in teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you Always to the very end of the age. And then Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5. It says, Keep your lives free from the love of money and and be content with what you have because God has said, I will never leave you nor will I forsake you. Powerful, powerful scriptures. The true meaning of Christmas is, number one, God being with us. Number two, The true meaning of Christmas, number two, is God showing us true love. So not only is the true meaning of Christmas God being with us, secondly, it's God showing us the true love that He has for us. Friends, God was fulfilling promises that He made throughout thousands of years of prophecy to provide an answer for sin. Jesus' purpose was to bring truth, hope, love, salvation, and then it was to die he was born on a mission to die he was born on a mission that jesus's sole purpose to be born was to die that's a powerful statement powerful statement if if somebody was asking you well what's what's your purpose in life jesus would say i must die that's my purpose my purpose is so that i can ransom people from sin a lot of us equate Christmas with buying stuff for others. Okay, The real reason was Christ was going to purchase a ransom for our sin and pay for it with His own blood. Friends, Jesus is the ultimate gift. He's the ultimate gift. The best gift that we can receive this Christmas is Him. It's the best gift we can receive. Perhaps we're in here today and we've never fully committed or yielded our life to Him. The best Christmas you can receive is not a present that somebody can give to you. It's receiving Him this, this season. Amen. John chapter 3, verse 16, it talks about God giving. It's one of the reasons why we do give during Christmas because we celebrate that God gave. For God so loved the world that He did what? He gave. That's right. His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. God so, it didn't say He so loved the world. It didn't say that He so feared the world. It says God God, God so hated the world. It says God so loved the world that He gave. And friends, when we truly love, we do what? We give. And so God so loved the world, He gave His Son. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 4 and 5 in the New Living, it says this. It says, but God so rich in mercy, He loved us so much. That even though we were dead because of our sin, He gave us life. When He raised Christ from the dead, it is only God's grace that you have been saved. It is only by God's grace. We can't. It's not by works. We can't say, "Well, well, I've done anything. I've done something good. I've received. I've, I've, uh, you know, uh, re- received salvation through the things that I've done." No, it's only by grace through faith. It's only by receiving that gift that He gave to us. And he showed us how much he loved us by sending his one and only son. Okay, verse uh, which is our next scripture, First John chapter four, verse nine through eleven. It says, "God showed us how much he loved us." Have you ever had somebody say, "Show me how much you love me," and then it's usually some sort of self-motivated thing that you got to do? Well, if you really love me, then you would, and then fill in the blank. Have you ever had anybody say that to you? If you haven't, you haven't been living long enough. Because at some point or another, there's going to be somebody that says, well, if you really care about me, if you really love me, and then there's some sort of hidden agenda or motive behind it. Okay? And so God didn't say, well, if you really love me enough, you die for your own sins or you die for my son. No, he said this. It says God showed his love for us. He showed us how much he loved us by doing what? By sending his one and only son into the world that we might have eternal life through him that we might have eternal life through Him. I love this. And it says this, This is real love. Say that. Say, This is is real real love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, then He gives a little clause, we ought to love each other. Because He showed so much love to us, Then let us, uh, let, let our gratitude and affection be shown back by loving people. I love that in verse 10 and how the New Living says it. This is real love. There's a lot of things out here that are boasting about being the real thing. How many of us have ever had a, had something that was real and then you had something that was fake? Okay. Have you ever, you know, uh, I mean, there's, there's Gino's pizza and then there's the original Gino's pizza. If you've ever had Gino's, it's good pizza, but you haven't had the original Gino's pizza. The original is a lot better than Gino's. It's just, and it's not that, you know, it just, it it is what it is. And if you've ever, if you've ever had something that was the real thing, the real deal, something that was authentic, then when you have a counterfeit, it doesn't match up. And so this is real love. Friends, when you, when we receive the love of God, the love that he has for us, there's nothing that can match that. There's nothing. Why is it that you have people that, that they, they get off drugs and they commit their lives to Christ and they go don't go back to the crack pipe and they don't go back to the crack house? Why? Because they found what? This is real love. Why is it that individuals that's been searching for love, having relationship after relationship, find a a relationship with with Christ, commit to Christ and say, I'm done with all these fools, I'm done with all these chumps, I'm committing my life to Christ because He loves me and He knows how to love me uh, in a way that that people don't know how and they commit themselves and so they say, I'm going to restrain myself for marriage. Why? Because they have truly found out what true love really is. And think of time after time, how is it that people do, why do they do this? Because when you have the real deal, when you have the real thing, you don't want to give it up. So this is real love. This is real love that he gave his son for us. It's real love. And then finally, friends, Romans uh, first uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 37 through 39. I love what this says. It says, no, despite all these things, I had to put this in there, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ." overwhelming victory, not just victory, overwhelming, have you ever, okay, overwhelming victory is what happened when Ohio State played Michigan, (laughs) that was overwhelming, for all you Michigan fans, I love you, but I'm sorry, overwhelming victory was given to us, okay, it's just, it is what it is, okay, now, if you're a Michigan State fan, okay, we can talk later, okay, (laughs) overwhelming victory is not like you barely won, It's not like, man, by the skin of our teeth. You know, when, when you used to pass that grade when you were back in school and you like got a C minus and you were like, yes, I barely passed. No. Okay. Overwhelming victory is like getting an A plus and then getting extra credit. Okay. It's like going above and beyond. So he says, overwhelming victory. Okay. Is ours through Christ. That means, friends, we don't have to, we don't have to fight these battles and always be defeated by the enemy because overwhelming victory. Are you getting this? And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Hold on here. Nothing. And then he goes on and he gives some examples. Neither angels nor demons, okay, demonically oppressed, no, okay. Neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow. He had to throw that in there because, you know, that stuff stuff stops people from from focusing on what the, the true matter is. People are worried about this, worried about that. Fear fear about this, fear about that. Okay, Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing. Say, nothing, nothing. in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God. And then he goes on to say, That is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord nothing can separate us from the love of God. So when the devil lies to you, when you're hearing the lies, well, you're not loved or you're not good enough or all this other stuff, you can say, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus, that's a lie because the Word of God says, nothing can separate me from His love. I'm His child. And you take authority over those thoughts. And It says, it talks about, about us having what? That, that the battlefield is in the mind. Man, don't let the enemy lie to us. Make us believe, well, we're unlovable. No, you are lovable. You're, you're not you are more than than uh worthless or there is no value that you can place on you. you actually are priceless you're so very valuable you're so valuable in fact that God would say i'm going to I'm going to give my own son okay I can't even equate what that would look like, but it would be like me saying, you know what uh say say there was an instance where where, where Pastor Earl, you know, he had to give his life, and I was to say, you know what? Instead of him giving his life here, let me give you my son instead wow. to save his life. I can't equate that. I love, my, I love Pastor Earl. I love my son. Okay? But that's what Jesus, that's what happened with Jesus. That's what God did with Jesus. He said, you know what? You're, you're not going to re- receive the wrath of your sin. I'm going to place it on my son. He's going to receive it so that you can be spared. This is true love. No greater love is this that a man would lay down his life for his friends. And he laid his life down for us. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. God showed us true love through the gift of his son. Friends, as we learn to love God completely, we will learn to love ourselves and love others the way that he wants us to because we connect with him and he shows his love through us. And then finally, friends, number three, the true meaning of Christmas. And this is my favorite. This is my favorite. We are adopted as sons and daughters of God. We're adopted. We're adopted as sons and daughters of God. We can be a part of God's family. Moreover, when we die, we get to move in with Him. Okay, now when you were a child, you got to live with your parents, and then you you became an adult, you got kicked out probably how many people left uh, by their own free will, and how many people were thrown out. Okay? Okay, so, so when you pass through this life, guess what? You get to move back in with your heavenly Father. Some translations say, in my Father's house are many rooms. Another translation says, in my Father's house are many mansions. So, so however you want to translate that, Okay, it says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor mind conceived the thing that God has in store for us. So we really don't know. We only, we only speculate and we, you know, think about what we, you know, what it might be. But we really don't know. All we know is that He has prepared a place for us. And it's going to be awesome. So you get to move back in with God, with your, with your Father. He's prepared a place for us. We get to stay with Him forever. Because why? Because we're His Son or we're His daughter. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 5 says this. It says that he predestined us for adoption. Predestined us. Meaning, he already thought it out beforehand. He, I like what it says in the the NLT, it says God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family. So he knew this. It wasn't that sin caught God by surprise and that, okay, I need to come up with an idea. No, he already knew all this stuff. And he said, I know already and we see the themes throughout the Old, Old Testament. They're called Christophanies, where people where were, were there are parallels of what Christ was going to do, like Noah in the boat, or like Isaac in the lamb. I mean, there's or in the ram. There's so many different okay in in the scripture of foreshadowings of Christ that he, that, that was to prove that what he was going to do for us, so that we could be with him forever, so that we could be adopted into his family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ this is what he wanted us to do and it gives him great pleasure that's awesome he wants you to be a part of his family and it gives him pleasure to do so okay i know there's a lot of people that believe that god is a wrathful hateful god okay and now now i like to i like to view god in the perspective of how he talked about himself how did god talk about himself well he gave I think the best description of himself, when he met with Moses back in uh, Deuteronomy chapter uh, 32, or Exodus, I'm sorry, Exodus chapter 32, when he's meeting with him, and, and uh, Moses said, hey, can I see you? And what does he say? He says, well, no man can see me and live, but I'll tell you what, stand up in the cleft of the rock, I'll cover up, and you can see my, my rear end. <laughs> you can see You can see my train, you can see behind me. And that's where a lot of scholars believe that's how he was able to write, because he saw what God did. He was able to write creation. But what did God say about himself? He said, The Lord, the Lord, gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love, maintaining love and faithfulness down to a thousand generations of those who love me. Yet, he does not let the wicked go unpunished. He will curse down to the third or fourth generation of those who hate me. So yet, so the, so the beginning of it says, The Lord, the Lord, gracious and compassionate. So it gives the full spectrum. This is who I am. I'm gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love, maintaining love and faithfulness to a thousand generations. Yet I do not let the wicked go unpunished. What is that? That's what? That's love and judgment. Okay? It's, it's, it's the full spectrum of God. So when we, when we receive God, when we, when we start to understand about the attributes of God, we gotta understand all of them. Not just, not just the parts that, that, uh, that he's ready to, to, to strike a bolt of lightning on your butt, but the parts where, you know what? It gave him great pleasure to adopt you into his family because he loved us so very much. Second Corinthians chapter six, verse 18. I love this. It says, and I will be your father. What? And you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord God Almighty. Isn't that a powerful, beautiful thing that He wants to be our Father? It's amazing. Have you ever given something? Have you ever given a gift to somebody and you spent time or energy on it, or perhaps a a lot of money, and you gave it to that person, but there was this unappreciation for it? How does that make you feel? You feel rejected. Do you feel, well, I ain't never going to do that for them again. You know, you know how it makes you feel when you do something above and beyond for somebody and then you feel like, like they treated the gift like, with contempt? It makes you feel what? Rejected? I mean, you feel like, ugh, or, or whatever. I mean, you're just like, ugh, I ain't never doing that again. I ain't, I ain't going above and beyond for that person again. But this is the thing. God is so rich in mercy and so rich in grace that people are, are spitting in his face over and over again and he's continually reaching out. Continually. Continually reaching out. When we're like, I'm done. That's why Peter, when he was talking to Jesus, he said, shall I forgive somebody seven times when they sin against me? And what does he say? No, seven times seven. Or a 77 times. Or whatever you want to say. A whole lot of times. And I just see Peter like blowing back thinking, man... I was forgiving them seven times, and that was me being very generous. What do they say? What? Uh, uh, you know, do me over, what? Uh, shame me once, shame me twice. I forget how that words. How's that word? Yep. Twice, shame on me. Right. So, we're, so, so for many of us, we've got like the one, two, three strikes, you're out. So Peter's getting, being generous here, and he's saying, hey, Lord, when somebody sins against me, I'm going to do more than three. I'm going to add seven. Should I forgive them seven times? Thinking Jesus is going to be like, that's great, Peter. That's a great idea. He says, no. Seven times seven. Why? Because that's what happens with God. Think about it. Think of how many times. Man, I, when I was just telling my wife when we were, we were walking and, and talking. I said, man, if, if, if God didn't give us Jesus and take care of our sins forever, You know how often we'd have to go back when we screw up over and over and over again? I mean, back in the Old Testament, when they would mess up, they would have to give, you know, sheep and goats and and rams and birds and all these things. Friends, I would be broke. (laughs) I couldn't couldn't afford. I couldn't afford. Come on, that's right. I couldn't afford covering my sins over and over. I couldn't afford it. But God could. He could afford it. Jesus paid for it with his own blood. He's our father. This is the Lord God Almighty. Galatians chapter 3. We've got a few more scriptures that we're going to end. Galatians chapter 3, verse 26 and 27. It says, For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus, and all who have been been united with Christ in baptism have been put on Christ like putting on new clothes. So so it says, We're children through faith and that we clothe ourselves with Christ. That's the only way that we can actually live out a victorious Christian life is that we clothe ourselves with Christ. That doesn't mean you, you skin Christ and put him on. No, but you put on the, the attributes of what he talked about, of how he, of how he shared, how he lived. How Christ lived is how we should live. As Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. So Paul is imitating Christ. He wants people to imitate him who's imitating Christ. So we need to imitate Christ. Two more scriptures. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. In the New Living, it says, See how much our Father loved us, that He called us His children. And that is why, and that is what we are. But the people who belong to this world don't recognize that we are God's children because they don't know Him. He loved us. He calls us His children. Are you getting this? Are you seeing the themes of, of, of why God adopted us? He adopted us because of His great love for us. Okay. Now, we're going to read a few verses here. We're going to end here in Galatians chapter 4. Okay, this tells the whole story. I love how it words us. We're going to read seven verses here. Galatians chapter 4, verse 1 through 7. He says, think of it this way. If a father dies and leaves an inheritance for his young children, those children are not much better off than slaves until they grow up, even though they actually own everything their father had. They have to obey their guardians until they reach whatever age their father set. And that is the way it was with us before Christ came. We were like children. We were slaves to the basic spiritual principles of this world. But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. Say, adopt us. adopt us. As his very own children. And because we are his children, God has set the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. And I'm going to pause there uh, for a minute. One time I, I, I had, uh, uh, I, know, I know there's a lot of people that, that are, are afraid of Jehovah's Witnesses. I actually like to talk to them. They're fun. And so uh, they came to my door one time and we're talking and I think it was, I want to say it was Christmas Eve because I think I had all my family over and, and we were like, and so they came and so I give them time, you know, most people like, oh, whatever, I go to church or oh, I'm not about that or whatever. I, I'll spend some time with them, you know, they're out there in the cold and they're, you know, ch- you know sharing what they believe and stuff. And so, so we were talking and I, I just started talking about, you know, basically I just, I just went for it, I said, you know, I'm a minister of church and this, that and the other and blah, blah, blah. And, uh, and they said, well, are you calling God by his proper name? Because his proper name is Jehovah. And I said, Oh, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. You're talking about back in, back in Exodus, when Moses met with, when Moses met God in the burning bush, and he says that you were to call him Jehovah. Actually, he says, he he says, "I am the I am the eternal, all existing one." Basically, to bring it down to our finite level for our understanding, he said, "Call me Jehovah." But see, through Jesus Christ, I'm I'm considered one of His sons, so I call Him Abba, Father. So when I talk to Him, I don't call Him Jehovah; I call Him Daddy. And they really didn't have anything to say after that. <laughs> they said, "Well, you know, well, you know, it's good that you do this that and the other." And bye bye now. <laughs> so, I mean, but what is it? You know, it's not like trying. If, if my child back before my kids knew how to talk, when they would look at me and they would say whatever dialect came from their mouth, it could be booba, baba, dada, okay, even sometimes mama, and they're reaching for me to grab them. I know who they're addressing. I know who they're addressing. They're addressing me. Okay, now they don't have to say, Father, Joshua. No, I know, okay, my kids actually don't even... They don't even need to, to acknowledge, I know, and I'm, and I'm finite, I'm, you know, make mistakes, I'm a person. How much more does a father know? Think about it this way, there are people that call God in every, there are over 5,000 languages, he has a name in every one of them. Which one is the most correct? None of them, they're all just the same. I love how Paul, he puts it in perspective. Because he adopts us as sons and daughters, because of his great love for us and we become part of his family, we have the right, okay? We have the right. If some, if some kid on the street comes out and calls me dad, they really don't have the right. Now, I have people that I call spiritual parents or spiritual sons and daughters, meaning, meaning I, I love them and I, and I, and I kind of adopt them into my family. Okay, and... and and, and for the most part, I've had, you know, those grown men that call me dad. And, and that's fine because they don't have that in their, in, their, in their life. But God said we can call him father. And the word Abba, obviously that is a, a Hebrew derivative of being like saying daddy. Right? Or dad. That's what it is. Abba, it's more of an intimate. Like when your little child comes up and they say daddy and they melt, melt your heart and then you basically give them whatever the heck they want. <laughs> but daddy oh, what it's already no there's something coming Where I'm going to have to do something I don't want to do <laughs> being truthful verse 7 now you are no longer a slave but God's own child and since you are his child God has made you his heir Amen. what are you getting this so friends we're talking about Christmas at the moves, movies we showed a little bit about Charlie Brown and in his Distaste for the commercialism around Christmas, and friends, we are bombarded with it. We're bombarded with the commercialism of of, of this uh, celebration of our Savior, friends. But but we need to know that the true meaning's behind it. What it really is about? It's really about number one, God being with us, that He sent His Son, and that He's always with us. Number two, that God showed us true love. He showed true love through sending His Son. He showed us true love, and then, friends, finally. True meaning is that we're adopted as sons and daughters of God. We become part of His family. So friends, I want to encourage you this morning. I want to challenge you. Perhaps this morning, perhaps we've gotten out of alignment. And that's okay. We sometimes have that. We have other priorities that that sometimes come to the forefront of our hearts and our minds. But the thing is, 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 I love God. He's so rich in mercy. He gives us over and over and over again, opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to bring ourselves back into a place where we can say, God, I know, I know you, haven't been pri- you haven't been primary in my life. God, I know that you haven't been king and master and you haven't been in the position that, that you're supposed to. But God, I'm crying out for you to be that today. Would you stand to your feet with me today? This morning, I believe God is calling out to us. He wants us to be part of his family. He wants you to be part of his family today. If you're in here today, and you say with me, you say, I want to be a part of God's family. Would you slip your hand up? Hands all over. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for those hands. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to ask you to do something else today. If you've heard this message and you say, you know what? Hearing about how great God has loved me personally, I don't feel like I've really been showing him that much affection. I haven't been giving him that much time or energy. I want to do so from this day on. I want God to be master of my life. i want to be king. I want him to lead me every day. I want to be, as we like to term, I want to be a follower of Christ. I want to follow him. I don't want to just believe in him. The Bible says the demons believe and shudder. So I don't like the term believer. It's good and all, but he says, come follow me. That's what he asked his disciples to do. That's what he's asking for us to do today, too. He's asking, would you follow me today? If you're willing to take that commitment today and say, I'm willing to follow God. I'm willing to follow Christ. And I want to walk in his ways. Would you, would you slip your hand up? Hands all over. Wonderful. Powerful. I'm going to pray for you today. If you've you've raised your hand for for either of those, I'm going to let you know when we commit ourselves to Him, He gives us the strength and the grace to carry out the commitment that we want. We don't do it alone. We don't do it by ourselves. We don't try to work this thing out. So let's pray. Let's ask the Holy Spirit that He would have His way. God, we thank you. Lord, God, I thank you for every hand that's raised this morning. Saying, God, I want to be part of your family. Father, out of that desire, Lord, there are many other hands that were raised that said, God, I want to follow you. God, I want you to lead me. So, Father, we ask in the name of Jesus, God, every heart in here that's ready to follow after you, we thank you in the name of Jesus. We thank you. Holy Spirit, would you fill them? God, your word says that you will give us, God, power to be your witnesses. Father, it's power to live for you. It's power to say yes to you and no to sin. It's power to say, man, I am going to follow after you. So, Lord, we thank you, God. We thank you for each and every commitment this morning. God, we thank you that, Father, that you have poured out your love and your grace. And, Father, you want each and every one of us to be reminded of the great love that you have for us. Father, we just thank you for this. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to pray a blessing over you today. And then, friends, at that time... We'll, we'll open up our altar. And so if you would like for us to join with you and pray about anything, we'll absolutely love to do that. We'll join with you. We have some of our team that will join and pray with you. Whether whether if you want more extra prayer on your commitment level or, or you would like God to heal you, we serve a God that heals, or man, you need a breakthrough in the area, we would love to pray with you. I'm gonna I'm gonna pray a blessing over you. I love it, it's found. In Ephesians chapter 3, it's one of my favorites. I pray it over our church all the time because I believe it's powerful. Starting in verse 15, I gotta go back to my translation. Here we go. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16. You can go ahead and receive this. This is a blessing so you can go ahead and receive this. and if you receive something, you just go ahead and put your hand out. like if I was to give you something, just you know stick your hand out in some gesture. it's just a physical uh, action of of, of your faith saying "I, I receive this verse 16 it says I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all of the Lord's holy people To grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge. That you may be filled to the measure of all of the fullness of Christ. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever and may the lord bless you may He keep you may his face shine upon you may he be gracious unto you may he turn his face towards you and may he give you peace in jesus mighty name amen friends god bless you thank you for joining with us today if you're a first-time guest please make sure that you